Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, November 11th, 2019, and today we are continuing our study on the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman, and we will be joined by Dr. Rick, our VP of Engagement, and he will lead us through Chapter 6, Delegation, from Robert Coleman's The Master Plan of Evangelism. All right, welcome again to the Defender Bible Study. This is Rick Morton, and we're continuing our study today on the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism. We're going to be looking today at chapter 6 on delegation. And so um, Coleman talks about this idea in chapter 6 about um, Jesus' method of of delegating ministry to his followers um, and and really kind of unpacks several uh, key points and several key ideas for uh, what we can learn in in our sharing of the gospel with others and in our our disi- discipling others around us, and so really want to focus in on um, on Matthew chapter ten uh, as kind of the primary passage where we can can look and, and see this played out, and then um, we'll we'll run over to um, to Luke chapter ten as well um, right at the end to to make a point, but. Um, so we're gonna. I'm gonna read just the very first part of Matthew chapter 10. It says, "Summoning his twelve disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness." These are the names of the twelve apostles, and then we see um, that he that the the twelve apostles are listed, including at the very end Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And so, one of the things I think that we see first is that that Jesus shows us a really um, significant principle about leadership development, which is that he both was giving the apostles a responsibility to proclaim that the kingdom of God was at hand, to to tell of uh, of him, and to tell of God's bringing of the Messiah in Jesus, um, but but he also then gave them the corresponding authority that was necessary in order to be able to to to, to have to to do the task that they had been given to do, and so um, he he and many times I think in, in leadership uh, in a variety of, of settings, and this is this can be in in just a lot of settings in leadership. I think we we have a tendency to want to delegate responsibility, but to struggle to delegate authority. And Jesus gives a completely unconventional model of that. In other words, um, if he's going to give the responsibility to these disciples to be able to do the work that he's commissioning them to do, um, Jesus also recognized that they need to have the authority that corresponds to it in order to be able to do it um, and and to to be equipped to do it. And so a lot of times I think we we will tell people things that they need to do. We will assign them tasks to do, but many times we're we're scared to share the authority that we have to see those things accomplished and to trust that into their hands to allow them to speak, to allow them um, to make decisions, to allow them to um, to make plans, to allow them to bind us to obligations and those kinds of things. And and true leadership is is really when we when we prepare people well enough that we can trust them not only to 
um, to give them the responsibility, but also to give them the authority. If you if you move down to the next paragraph, we we see part of the basis upon which Jesus was was granting them that authority. It says Jesus sent out these twelve after giving them instructions. Um, and he says, don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles and don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel as you go. Proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse those of, with leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you received and freely give. Don't acquire gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road, an extra shirt, sandals, or a staff for the work for the worker. Um for the worker is worthy of his food. When you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your word, shake the dust off your feet. And when you leave, when you leave their house or town, I tell you truly, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment than for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So Jesus gives them really specific instructions about how they're to carry out the ministry that, that he's giving them to do. And so not only has he resourced them by giving them power, by giving them his authority, but also he's, he's given them a really defined paradigm for, you know, for the way that they, they need to work. And I, I think, um, in the church, one of the things that we, you know, that we have probably started doing less of in in recent times to our detriment is is ultimately training people for the work of doing evangelism, of sharing our faith um, with the world, and 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 so he's he's giving them a very prescriptive formula for this is how you're going to share the knowledge of me this is this is what you need to say this is what you need to carry with you this is how you need to act this is how you need to treat people this is the basis upon which you need to make decisions and and the fact is that he's given them a very tight paradigm why because Jesus wants to create robots no because he wants to take people that are that are only partially prepared who only have partial knowledge and he wants to mobilize them so that they can grow and learn by doing and and the best way that they can do that is by given being given a task and and being given great specificity about how to go about um, that task and and so what do we learn there about about our leadership and about discipling people in in the church well I think what we learn is that that many times the reason that our discipleship fails or, or the reason that our disciples struggle is because because we don't really take the time to invest a great deal of specificity we don't we don't tell them um, what to do? We don't teach them in in detail how to study their Bibles. We don't we don't teach them how to pray. We don't we don't teach them how to share their faith. We don't walk with them in making the 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 mundane and basic decisions of life um, according to God's counsel and 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 in in harmony with um, with the gospel. And and so that um, th- that what we end up doing is giving very general instructions and and just hoping that people will kind of, you know, figure it out that they'll sort of learn by osmosis or learn by the atmosphere. And here's here's the important thing I think to to realize here is that that Jesus before he has has made these assignments for leadership to his uh, to his apostles, they have walked with him for a fairly significant amount of time, and that their education has been that they've been watching him do 
um, the work of ministry. They've been watching him do the work of the proclaiming of the kingdom of God for a while. And, and I think many times we look at that and say, well, surely after somebody's seen us do this for long enough, they'll be able to pick up the pieces and be able to do it for themselves. Um, Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't just let them observe and then say, go imitate me. Um, he also gave them very specific instructions about what they were supposed to do um, to, um, to imitate him. And so as we think about leadership development, as we think about discipleship, I think in the church we have to remember um, that we need to we need to be really careful about providing um, you know lots of guidelines and 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 lots of information about um, why and how and and when um, that we're to do certain things in order to um, in order to to achieve well. Um, then Jesus in, in verse 16, it says, he says, look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of them because they will hand you over to local courts and flog you in their synagogues. You will even be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, don't worry about, about how or what you are to speak, for you will be given what to say at that hour because it isn't you speaking, but the spirit of your father that is speaking through you. And so, again, we get this great reminder that when we're being commissioned into kingdom work, when we're being commissioned into um, into proclaiming the gospel, that that at the end of the day, we're not left to our own devices. We're not doing this in our own strength, and that that God, by His Spirit, um, will will work in us, but He'll also work through of us, and He'll through us, and He'll work out of us. And that that Jesus, you know, talks about this idea. Well, how much more is that true of those of us that live on? on this side of the empty tomb that Jesus promised that he that the spirit was going to come and he was going to indwell us and that the spirit was going to be our comforter and that he was going to be our teacher and that um, that that he that the very presence of God would lead us as we go and that you and I aren't defenseless in the places that we go where where we're being called out to proclaim the gospel because we are the bearers of the very spirit of God and and how do we know for sure that that's true, we know for sure because we know that Jesus is 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 real and that He is alive and that He conquered death and that and that Jesus has proved Himself worthy um, to be the King. And so um, Jesus talks about how difficult that that this will be. He said, "Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and child will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved." And here's the here's the incredible thing: is that we don't endure to the end because because of our own ability, because of our own strength, because of our own stick to we ultimately endure to the end uh, because of the presence of the Spirit of God. We have been sealed by the work of the Son. And so he says, when they persecute you in one town, flee to another. For truly I've told you that you will have not, not have gone through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher um, and a slave like his master, if they are called the head of the house, Beelzebul, how much more 
the members of his household. In other words, if if people reviled Jesus and they called Jesus a devil and they and they said all manner of things about Jesus to try to discredit him, that we should expect that those of us that are following Jesus are going to have the same kind of challenges, but yet we have been commissioned um, by God to carry the good news of the kingdom out in into this into this work. Now, really, the last thing I want to want to show you today is is that um, if we go over into Luke chapter ten, we find um, we find a story that sounds um, incredibly similar to what um, to what we we heard in Mark chapter ten. I mean, in, in Matthew chapter ten, but it is it's a different commissioning of a different group of people, and so this was Jesus commissioning the twelve who were following him the closest, who had followed him the longest. Well, in in Luke chapter 10, we find the account of the sending of the 70 or the 72, depending on how um, the translator of your copy of the scriptures translated that number. But but it's basically this larger group of people that have, have started to follow and have become disciples of Jesus that are being sent out and commissioned. And listen to what, listen to how Luke writes the account of the 70 being sent out. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead in, in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. And then he says, don't carry a money bag or a traveling bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the way. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If, but if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter a town and they welcome you, eat the things um, that set before you. Heal the sick um, who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. When you enter any town and they don't welcome you, you go out into its streets and say, we are wiping even the dust of your town off of our, that clings to our feet and and as a witness against you. Know for certain the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds like an almost a, a quote of Matthew chapter 10. And so, so understand what's happening here is, is that this larger group of people are basically being trained the same way that the smaller group of, of 12 were being trained. They were being commissioned with the same power. They were being commissioned with the same authority. They were being given almost verbatim the same instructions and and they were being trusted to take the gospel to to an ever widening circle um, of people and so um, so we can see that God has has put this plan into place that that really extends the influence of the good news about Jesus to to the to the reaches of the known world in in just like the span of a generation and it started with, 12 men, 12 people, and 12 people then became 72 people that then became 120 people that then became 3,000 people in the second chapter of Acts that then became the church that was added to daily um, and that and that the gospel spread in this geometric progression by this way that Jesus delegated his authority and delegated the responsibility for proclaiming the kingdom to an ever-widening circle of disciples who were following him. Something else that we see in, in Luke chapter 10 that I want to point out, if you go down to verse 17, it says, the 72 returned with joy saying, 
Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And so what we see here is, is a group of 72 people who went out, who used the authority that Jesus had given them, who did the task that Jesus had commissioned them to, that they were responsible for, but they didn't do it exactly right, and they didn't have the right mindset. As a matter of fact, they were, they were completely wrong in the fact that they put the emphasis on the fact that the demons had submitted to them, not on the fact that they were submitting to, um, to Jesus, and they were submitting to the work of the, 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 the very Holy Spirit. And, and so Jesus says to them, he says this quote, he says, I saw, I watched Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so Jesus gives them kind of this rebuke where he says, he says, look, I've given you this authority, but it's my authority and I've delegated it to you. But what you need to be excited about is not the fact that you have this power and you're able to exercise it. What you need to be excited about is that, that your eternity is sealed in me. You have a place in heaven because of me. And, and at the end of the day, we need to remember that sometimes the people that we delegate authority to, the people that we raise up and train and we give um, coaching to, and the people that we that we give responsibility for task and ministry, sometimes they're going to mess up. Sometimes they're going to do it right, but they're only going to do it partially right. And, and we see that Jesus both... Um, engages them and corrects them and and continues to coach them and to push them toward greater greater usefulness for the kingdom and to conform them to his image, but he does it in a way that he doesn't crush them and he doesn't break their spirit. In other words, he doesn't he doesn't go so negative on them that he points out all that they've done and all that's wrong, but he, but he says to them like, look, be careful because pride is crouching at your door. And, and, and don't fall prey to the pride that you are the ones that made this happen because, because ultimately it is, it, it is, it is my power, um, it is my work that's making this possible. What you need to rejoice in is that you are in me. And so today we need to rejoice in the fact that we are in Christ and that Jesus has given us good work to do. Um, and so we're thankful for this principle of delegation and want to remember it in ministry because all of us want to be a part of churches and want to be a part of ministries where, um, where we are building up others um, to take the good news of Jesus um, throughout our neighborhoods, throughout our country, and to the ends of the earth, um, ultimately to be about the work of, of building the, the, the kingdom of God. And so... So I pray that this will be an encouragement to you this week um, and that the Lord will show you opportunities that you have right in front of you um, to engage with someone else, um, to be able to, to teach them, to be able to coach them, to be able to invest in them um, so, that, so that at some point you might be able to give them responsibility for something you have responsibility for in ministry and give them authority to be able to carry that out so that you can multiply um, someone into um, the ministry and the mission that God has called 
you and me and, and each one of us into of making disciples. Um, we're really glad that you continue to join us on the Defender Bible Study Podcast. Um, it is our pleasure at Lifeline to share with you um, the kinds of things that we're studying week in and week out in our Monday Bible study. We'd ask you to pray for us. Know that we pray for you. We'd love for you to share those prayer requests with us um, so that we might know specifically how to pray for you. And we look forward to uh, meeting you back here next week again for the, the next edition of the Defender Bible Study Podcast where we'll be studying through The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week we are praying for the country of Poland, and we are specifically praying uh, that the Lord would continue to be with the government and continue to just press upon the government the importance of opening up their adoption system. We know that there are so many children that are waiting adoption, but Poland has made it very, very difficult. We're praying specifically for two Polish families in process that are waiting on referrals. We just ask that they would have favor in Poland. Since these families are Polish, we're also praying for another family that had originally adopted a sibling set of four and has recently learned that their children's biological mother had another baby. They are currently waiting to receive the final approval from the ministry before they can travel to bring this baby girl home. We again pray for favor that the Polish government will see the importance of placing this baby girl with her brothers and sisters. We just continue to pray for local courts and judges who seem to have power in the adoption decisions, especially in certain regions. We pray that they would see the value of adoption in children having forever homes. We pray for continued favor with the Catholic Adoption Center, that they would understand the heart of Lifeline and the need for so many of these children to find permanence in homes. We pray for the many children waiting in Poland who are older, larger sibling groups, or those with severe medical needs. We pray these children would find forever families, either in Poland or abroad. We pray for our team here in the States as they continue to work tirelessly in our Poland program despite the difficulties over the last three years. We pray for the Lord to open up doors if possible for unadopted to continue to make a difference in the lives of those children who remain. And we pray for Oleksandr Yakabinko, uh, our, our team member on the ground, as he continues to, to push and to, to prod and to help uh, find ways to build relationships with government officials. And we also released a video recently uh, to give to the Catholic Adoption Center, as well as the Central Authority, that had testimonies from families who have adopted from Poland, telling of why they believed that these children needed a home, uh, that needed a home through adoption. We just pray that that video and that effort would, would reach a target and would make a difference. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to work in Poland, and certainly we pray for these three families, the two Polish families, as well as the other family who adopted a sibling set of four and is seeking to bring home a biological sibling. Would you give them favor, and would you allow the Polish government to see the importance of placing these children with these families and the importance of finding permanence for these children? Would you please just wrap around the ministry of Poland, help them to have eyes to see, uh, and that their hearts would be changed towards adoption as a positive thing. And Lord, we know that many of the reasons that they have, have just not known what to do is there have been disruptions, and, and there have also been families that have not been faithful to, 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 to give their post-adoption reports. Lord, would you prick the hearts of families to comply with the post-adoption reports? Lord, would you bring permanence for children that have been placed? And Lord, would you save them from further disruption? Lord, we pray for favor with the Catholic Adoption Center, that they would understand the heart of Lifeline and so many others to bring permanence to children through adoption. Lord, we ask that you would wrap around the older and larger sibling groups and, severe, and the orphans with severe medical needs. Would you 
Would you find forever families, either in Poland through Christ-centered families or abroad? Uh, would you find homes for these children, Lord? Lord, we thank you for our team here in the U.S. and our team abroad, including Sasha. We just ask that you continue to wrap around him, give him vision, give him hope, and give him clear direction. And Lord, we just also would ask that you would use this video that we have produced to meet its mark and to find its way, and that maybe even you would use this video to open up the hearts and the minds uh, of judges and of, of, of courts and of the central authority to the opportunity for adoption of Polish children in America and abroad. And Lord, we just ask that you would work in such a way that you would bring permanence and you would bring the gospel to bear to orphans that are waiting in Poland. We ask all these things in your gracious, your godly, and your glorious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.